Oh shit, it's the coin toss. Brought to you by Wild Turkey 101. Getting you hammered since 1969. Gobble gobble, bitch. 1669. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. John, heads or turkey? Well, Mitch, I know I tell you this all the time, but give me that turkey. Put it right in my mouth. It's heads. You just you just guessed. You didn't see it. No, it's heads, man. Tarek, would you like the ball? I would love it, yeah. All right, sticking with the startup season theme today, you are in a 12-team Superflex startup draft. Say you've already got your QB1 and you're about to grab your QB2. Who are you taking, Aaron Rodgers or Trevor Lawrence? Wow. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think if I am really down bad through the first couple of rounds and I'm already seeing that productive struggle coming at me like a freight train, I might consider Trevor Lawrence. Um, but in your average dynasty league, I have Aaron Rodgers ranked ahead of Trevor Lawrence. You know, it may just be one or two years, but that one or two years with or without Devontae Adams is likely going to be a top eight, if not a top five fantasy quarterback. So we still don't know what uh, Trevor Lawrence is other than the fact that he was garbage in his rookie year. Um, I expect him to take a step forward, but definitely don't expect him to be Aaron Rodgers. So give me Aaron Rodgers as my QB2 in a super flex. Aaron Rodgers, money in the bank. John, you have Lawrence ranked higher than Aaron Rodgers. You're going to stick to your guns here? Absolutely. And only not only because I don't have a choice, but because I I legitimately would take Trevor Lawrence here. Uh, So let's just think about this for a second. So if we're talking about QB2, we're talking about these two guys, it's going to be probably the back end of the second round, maybe the beginning of the third round where you're going to take these guys. I don't think they're going to be there after that. Uh, So right there, if I'm going to start up, that's a huge commitment. If I take Aaron Rodgers, it's like, okay, that dictates that I have to compete this year. I have to have a winning squad because I don't know. Aaron Rodgers could be gone after this year. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But if I don't win this year, that's a huge thing that I'm going to lose. But Trevor Lawrence, he was a first round pick. I know that he's going to be around for at least four more seasons is what I expect. So I would take Trevor Lawrence and I'd be pretty comfortable with it. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to outscore Trevor Lawrence this year, but I still have a lot of faith in Trevor Lawrence. I think he's going to be around for 10 years and I think he's good value there in the end of the second beginning of the third round. That's fair. Guys, it's really close between all of our ranks here. I think I go with Tarek here just because I feel like if the wheels start falling off and I have Aaron Rodgers, I can still pivot off Aaron Rodgers as where, you know, uh, Lawrence doesn't give you that top, top end value that Rodgers might return. You're making him. Yeah, that's true. Like Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be on your roster for at least a year. Like his value is probably not going to change a lot until next offseason from where it is currently. You mean Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. What did I say? Yeah, you said Trevor Lawrence. John, let me say, uh, I think you are also underrating the liquidity that Aaron Rodgers gives you, even if you decide in that first year that you don't want to compete. Because you said, you know, you're locked in to competing if you draft Aaron Rodgers as your QB2. And, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, like if you decide to make a pivot in week 10... 
I think you'll be able to sell Aaron Rodgers for for fair value. And I'm I'm just revealing my wrinkles here because like I don't have nearly as much faith in my ability to pull that off. You, sir, are the master at making that sort of pivot. So, oh man, yeah. it's been a while since you uh, since you effusively praised me on my trading. And I will say this off season, I have been lacking in the trading department. A year ago, when you were praising me more, it's because I was trading a lot more. Now. Uh, I guess I'm just burnt out. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't walk the walk anymore, guys. I just talk the talk. Yeah, I'm. I'm making all the trades and getting no praise. True. I fucking love it. True. 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 <laughs> all trades, no praise. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. At least you got wild turkey to drown your sorrows in. Only the 101, though. <laughs> What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to episode 57 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. It's a weekly roundtable discussion where we discuss dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuya. With me today, John Alexander hey, hey. and a shirtless Mitch Yates. Ooh. Mitch, you are not wearing a shirt uh, that the listeners can't see, but I can. And uh, yeah, why don't you talk to us about that decision? <laughs> well, as you know, happy belated birthday, Tarek. Thank May you. 31st. Uh, actually, my girlfriend has the same birthday. And uh, uh, two of you are the two angriest people I know. And uh, <laughs> I love you both dearly. So uh, no, I was at the beach yesterday and... Uh, you know, I, this is a, a patented move of mine. I, I use like SPF four tops and, uh, <laughs> four, four, I am, it, it, it fucked up this time. I am so <laughs> burned, so burned. So I don't work again until Friday and I don't plan on putting a shirt on until then. Okay. Okay. John, what's going on, man? I, I am wearing a shirt. I'm wearing my jersey. U.S. starts uh, summer playing uh, tonight. I guess it'll be they'll be over by the time this airs, but I'm excited. We get some soccer. Normally, in a normal year, uh, we have the World Cup this summer, but because it's in Qatar, they are moving it to December for the first time right. ever. So I just want I want this on the record. Fuck Qatar. Heard that. And that's, that's that, you know. Like it should, it sh the World Cup should be now. It should not be in December. That's you know, as the as the resident Arab on this podcast, I want to say, John, I agree. Fuck Qatar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hey, uh, <laughs> no, I love all my Gulf people out there. Um, but anyway, yeah, Mitch, I I don't know. You know, this is obviously not relevant for our Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast, but. I always think about how we took a beach trip one time and like a, a group of us <laughs> bought like SPF 50, but it was like super cheap brand. And then you and our friend Bill bought like SPF 15, but it was actually a nice brand. And all of us who got SPF 50 got burnt to a crisp and you and Bill came out of that weekend looking like Greek gods. So, mm. you know, you win some, you lose some, Mitch. Yeah, I'm taking the L here. I, I think once I passed age 30, like it's just been that shit don't work the, the way it used to. And I'm mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm talking about, John. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I know. Your, your melanin left the building there, Mitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so today we are continuing our divisional preview series. We're here in part two. And in this series, 
Our goal is to talk about every dynasty relevant player that we can possibly think of. Last week, we did the NFC East, so check that episode out. This week, we're moving over to the AFC East. Let's kick off this first half. We're going to talk about the New England Patriots as well as the Miami Dolphins. All right, Pat, at QB, McCorkle Daddy Jones was (laughs) the best rookie quarterback last year by a country mile, a Tuscaloosa mile, you might say. Coming into the season, many argued that his ceiling was Kirk Cousins-esque, and he displayed that ceiling is it's quite attainable and possibly surpassable. So he had 7.3 yards per attempt and 8.2 error yards per attempt, which that second number kind of dispelled the narrative coming in that he was only like a noodle-armed checkdown artist. Uh, He clearly was able to work downfield, and he was also among the best quarterbacks in the league under pressure, number two in pressured completion percentage, and had an under pressure accuracy rating uh, in the top five as well per player profiler. So Mitch, let me ask you, has Mac Jones moved up your board after his rookie year, or are you still kind of concerned with his lack of ceiling that we were all concerned with? in the preseason due to being just kind of a rushing non-factor. He is currently quarterback 18 on keep trade cut for reference. Yes. And yes, to answer those questions, uh, I think last week I told everybody I had Mac Jones ranked somewhere around quarterback 21 and that really upset Tarek and Trey. And it actually had us talking like post episode. And I have reconsidered that slightly. I have him Mac Jones up to quarterback 19 and look that's just that's with market he's Mr. Average in my opinion and like he's he's a fine quarterback too I just I can't really get super excited because he just will always lack the quarter quarterback one upside and that's just where he is and that's that's fine if you want a stable asset like that that's fine but the reason I have guys like um, <clears throat> the baby jet higher than him is because I still think that their potential is a little bit higher. And I think we've seen the potential as high as it can go. But those uh, numbers on player profiler are that they're good. Like they're, the money throw rank number four in that and passing yards, he was number 13. So there is a lot to like here. I just, I, I think the market's right here. That's all. Yeah, John, I mean, this is, a really interesting debate in the kind of dynasty sphere right now because you have people that will say, look, with my quarterbacks in Superflex especially, I am chasing top five upside and Mac Jones just doesn't have that. And then there's other another contingency that will tell you, look, quarterback 12 through 15 for eight years straight, that returns a lot of value for your roster, right? So he should arguably be even ranked higher just because of that stability. So where do you come out on that on that conversation? Um, yeah, I mean, I've got him at wide receiver 17. And oh, I, he I think... wide receiver now, huh? Oh, shit. Impressive. <laughs> no, I don't even want you to edit that out. I've got him at QB 17. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I would definitely put myself in the latter group. I, I like the idea of the stable asset, but I would challenge the notion just a little bit that he is necessarily a stable asset. I mean, he's lost his offensive coordinator 
off to Las Vegas, and um, I think he'll be back. I, <laughs> they always come <laughs> back. <laughs> Josh McDaniels going to the AFC West. He'll a familiar story. Back. Just wait. <laughs> but you know, I, I kind of think about him the same way I think about Carson Wentz. Like he's he doesn't have the QB one upside, but he's still a solid. Uh, quarterback. So what I think will happen in the second year is now that there's a year of tape, some of the warts will show and maybe people will take a step back on Mac Jones. But I think he'll still end up being a quarterback too. And I think that's what it'll always be. And I think that's fine. And I don't mind having that on my roster. I think that there is a lot of security in that. Um, I think I'd rather not have to worry about chasing a quarterback in subsequent years uh, just due to like the lack of supply, basically. So that's where I fall out on that. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm out on Mac Jones or in necessarily. I think situationally, Mac Jones could be a valuable asset to your team. Like if you're rocking Patrick Mahomes or something as your QB1 and you just want to plug in a QB2 like Mac Jones, like I, I can totally understand that. So uh, and there are a lot of a lot of different ways you can go about your startup build. And if he's there at quarterback 18, if he's really there where the where the market has him, and you've already filled in those other aspects of your roster. Like if you didn't go quarterback early and you're loaded up, like I can absolutely see the value in Mac Jones there. So situationally, yeah. But uh, if the draft is already settled there, um, you know, the, there are reasons for and against going out and trying to buy Mac Jones. Yeah, I think I'm rising on him from my quarterback 17 rank. Uh, after just kind of digesting these numbers. And I think it's because I'm I'm mainly impressed with how he was able to work downfield and the passing numbers that he put up in uh, a very run-heavy offense, or at least an offense that wants to run a lot. So uh, I, I have some confidence in him becoming even more efficient as he grows into the game. Uh, but I get the concern that, you know, maybe now that there's more tape, uh, he, he, he'll he get figured out more. It, it remains to be seen. Well, but yeah, go ahead. John. Yeah, I just want to because I just want to put a number on it, because if I'm a contender and I'm looking for a quarterback three, if I think I've got a late 23 first, I'm happy flipping that 23 late 23 first for Mac Jones. I think that's a good contender buy right there. Interesting. Interesting. The uh, the 2023. And uh, first industrial complex might disagree with you there, John, but uh, we got to move on. Let's go to the wide receiver room. And we've got a glut of players here that got even more uh, glutty and mediocre with the arrival of Devontae Parker. Uh, Jacoby Myers, Tyquan Thornton, who is the rookie out of Baylor, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Nikhil Harry is also hanging around there somehow. All these receivers are priced between wide receiver 64 on the high end with Jacoby Myers and wide receiver 91 on the low end uh, on keep trade cut other than Harry, who is just outside the top 130 receivers. John, how I, I want to talk about these receivers all at once and like, how can we make sense of the room? Yeah, well, I think when we did this episode a year ago, I think I made some bold statement like I don't think there's a single guy that is uh, even a wide receiver three in this room. And it turns out I was wrong. Jacoby Myers comes out as wide receiver 29 and Kendrick Bourne wide receiver 33 in PPR. So it's not like Mac Jones isn't going to be able to support at least a wide receiver three. But I think the trick is figuring out which one's going to be that guy. So De- Devontae Parker is probably the guy that I would circle just because he's the one that I have the most faith in. I suspect 
Um, Jacoby Myers might be the more more popular opinion, uh, but I I wouldn't go chasing any of these guys because I don't think any of them are going to be any higher than a wide receiver three this season. Um, so maybe you know if one's sitting on your roster, maybe you get a free flex play. But I I'm steering clear of the wide receiver room. I don't blame you. I think that if there was one buy, uh, and this it doesn't even feel good to say, but Kendrick Bourne as Finishing last year, wide receiver 33, and he's currently wide receiver 90 on keep trade cut. Like, that that gap seems a little off to me, but I'm not going to go break the bank to go get Kendrick Bourne either. So I don't even know if you want to put put him at the end of your roster, but maybe a 14-team league, maybe that's, uh, that's where I'm looking actively to buy him. But wouldn't be a bad toss-in piece either because none of these guys are really threatening at all. Yeah, Kendrick Bourne had some interesting production down the stretch. Um, I I really like Jacoby Myers uh, at wide receiver 64. Um, just like kind of looking over what he did as a really reliable kind of deeper flex play on a week-to-week basis. And our 14-team startup um, that me and John are co-managing a team um, – when John first brought up drafting Jacoby Myers, I was like, man, he's so boring. And then I went and looked at his production and I looked at his value in relationship to his points per game. And shout out to at Talbtree, uh, Tim Talbtree put up a really interesting graph that kind of showed the relationship between the keep trade cut value and the points per game. And Jacoby Myers just stands out there. Um, so he, he ended up getting taken ahead of, uh, where we were able to take him, but I really like him at his value in startups and in the wide receiver ranks. Yeah. Player profiler definitely agrees with that. Kendrick Bourne, I looked up just against, uh, Jacoby Myers and Jacoby looks like the much, much better prospect there. And I think that's reflected in their rankings. I I think that perhaps that wide receiver 33 finish is a little misleading, but I think what you two have alluded to is that Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers are basically the starters here, and Devontae Parker probably has a piece in that, but like you said, Nikhil Harry, nope. Nelson Aguilar, nope. Like, yeah, get out of there. Tyquan Thornton will be running fly routes very fast down the field, but that's all I expect out of him. It's worth noting that Devontae Parker was sitting at 10.4 points per game last year, which is not far off from where Jacoby Myers was. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a mixed bag for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It it seems like you could take a really cheap stab on one of them if you wanted to, right? Sure. Um, Moving on to the running back room, and this is another group that I think we'll have to talk about as a unit because there's not a whole lot of differentiation kind of in the macro values. You got Damian Harris at running back 32, Ramondre Stevenson at running back 40, Pierre Strong, Fourth round rookie pick at running back 58. Kevin Harris, sixth round rookie pick at running back 76. And then James White at running back 88. They're all hanging around here. James White as the elder statesman. Damian Harris and Stevenson as the established guys who who are kind of probably going to be the leaders in touches. And then the two rookies, right? So, Mitch, um, help. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what <laughs> are you asking for help here? Because uh, if you're if you're asking for help, I, I would be suggesting you run run for the hills, man. Um, welcome to running back hell. That uh, first off, I actually like Damian Harris as a human being, 
probably. I, I definitely <laughs> like him as a as a football player and NFL talent. And I watch a lot of NFL replay abbreviated games, and every time I see him, he tends to pop and like just barrel his way down the field. Yeah. And then get just replaced like like the Patriots do year in, year out. Now they've added more and more pieces to this running back just misery. And like the same with Ramondre Stevenson. I, I think I think he's pretty good and I like him, but I want nothing run. Like turn around and run the other way. James White is gonna put up annoying finishes. He's gonna do it. That's what he does. Like he was actually looking pretty good before he got hurt, and he was being utilized like a- as the pass catching back. So I I just you can make a case for these guys. Uh, Damian Harris is what on keep trade cut at thirty two, I think, and I have him somewhere around like thirty one or thirty five. He kind of floats around there for me. But when it comes time to draft him in a startup, I. I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm looking at the next guy. So I want no part in this. What do you guys do you guys want a part in this? Sean's raising his hand. Are you volunteering yourself as tribute? No, I just think I think it's interesting because this this is an interesting opportunity because this is a situation where maybe common knowledge isn't so knowledgeable, right? Because they have lost the offensive coordinator. And I'm not saying go and buy any of these guys, but it's definitely something I'm monitoring. Like the the trope is don't touch those New England running backs because there's a million of them. But will that continue to sp- still be the case with the new offensive coordinator? That's something I'm going to be watching for. And if it looks like, you know, maybe one guy's going to be the guy, then that's something I'm going to jump on early if I can. It's something to watch for. I think my my assumption would be that it's more of kind of an institutional uh, franchise wide perspective. Sure. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it's worth watching. Um, and I mean, Mitch, let me ask you this question. Would I know you've been doing some best ball dynasty startups. Are any of these Patriots running backs on your best ball radar radar? Still, probably not. Uh, yeah, because when you said James White, is going to put up annoying production. I was like, huh, well, he's pretty cheap. Maybe he's an interesting yeah, best ball sure, dynasty Sure, if he's target. like late and free, I I don't know. I, I haven't been in enough of those to say like that is a guy that I'm getting lots of shares of late. But I, I think that with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, I think that they, they cannibalize each other. And in best ball, probably not what I'm looking for there unless one of them became the guy, but that's not the bet that I would place, no. Okay. All right, let's close out the Patriots with the tight end position. So last offseason, this was the two-headed monster that we were promised uh, or hoping for, and it turned out to be (laughs) Hunter Henry, the touchdown machine, and uh, Jonu Smith kind of shitting his pants. So Henry was actually third in a dot among tight ends, which was surprising to me. Like I didn't realize he was such a good downfield receiver, but he was Hunter Henry. That is number 18 in target share with just 14.5%. Meanwhile, John Smith had a measly 9.1% target share, but this was crazy on player profiler. John Smith is number one in target rate. So 30 point one percent because when he was on the field he was getting targeted 30 percent of the time but he was only on the field for 49 percent of snaps 
So that was just wild to me to just see a number one next to a stat that I usually kind of pay attention to in target rate. So Hunter Henry is tied in 19 and Janu is tied in 33 out there in those market ranks. John, does that feel right to you? No, not at all. I think that's totally wrong. Uh, I, I I think Hunter, Hunter Henry, I've always thought, is legitimately good. And when we did this episode last year, I got uh, we were we were fighting over who's tight end 12, who's tight end 13 between Janu <laughs> and Hunter Henry. And I think Hunter Henry proved that he belongs there. And um, that's where I've still got him is at tight end 13. Uh, I think that he's a red zone, a legitimate red zone target for Mac Jones, and he's a fringe tight end one for whatever value that is. Now, the 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 market has softened on Janu Smith. They they got burned, and uh, so they've burned their shares. And I think that people are uh, overreacting because Janu Smith's not going anywhere. He had he's got a long contract. And he's got plenty of opportunity to redeem. Now, I don't think he's going to end up at tight end 13 like I had him last year or 14 or whatever it was. But I do think he legitimately could be a top 20 tight end. Now, there's not a lot of value in that. But I think that in terms of being a tight end two for your for your fantasy team, he's got a shot of doing that. So I think tight end 33 is just ridiculous uh, because that's basically free. Oh, man. Well, to, to quote Trey... Uh, it ain't ever going to happen with Johnny Smith. <laughs> and this is coming from me, man. Like if I did a my guy last year, like a tight end my guy, this may as well have been my guy. And I fell flat on my face here. Like and and Tark brought up the illusion right there uh, with that number one statistic where like when he's game planned, when he's like when when he's when they design the play around him. He's got a weird skill set. He's really, really fast, and he can get yep. into the end zone. And, like, I was teased watching him as a Titan, but never actually, like, assuming that role. And here here we are again, and it's it's never going to happen. Like, um, cut, sell, run, Titan 33, whatever. I offered up Janu for a fourth-round pick, and I sold in most opportunities— Take what you can get because uh, he's on his way down. Um, now, Hunter Henry, I agree with you 100% here. Uh, like, tight end 19 is insane. Like, he's basically the number one pass catcher in that offense right now. Like, if that's really the going rate, like, I, I want as many Hunter Henry shares as I can. Like, he has to at least be top 15. Like, I don't know. You could make an argument for top 10, but uh, yeah, I, we got we to gotta get us some Hunter Henry shares, guys. I mean, with Jono Smith, it's interesting because he's lauded as an excellent blocker. So I think they really love him as a blocker. But then I looked at PFF and he's, at least in their grades, outside of the top 50 for both pass and run blocking. So it's really interesting. Ultimately, the only thing that matters there is what the Patriots coaches think. And they think he's very good at blocking, right? Uh, And I don't know how reliable PFF's blocking grades are, but... Yeah, I mean, if he's being paid to block and maybe schemed uh, every once in a while, then we're not really going to like him for fantasy. But, uh, hey, if that 30% target rate translates to more snaps, then maybe John will be right here. All right, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins. At quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, the Tuanon forums are lit right now with the arrival of Tyreek Hill. But he's still only quarterback 19 on keep trade cut. 
He turned in uh, in 2021 a very average year with 6.8 yards per attempt, but was successful on his very occasional deep balls, number six in deep throw accuracy. He was also good in clean pockets and against zone coverage, which I think meshes with his kind of finesse Drew Brees slight style. So Tyreek Hill comes to town, as does Mike McDaniel from the 49ers. Mitch, should we expect bigger things from Tua moving forward? I think so. I think bigger than what we've gotten before. They've at least given him the chance to do bigger things, but I'm not a member of Two and On, and I, well, I, I guess that's what I would tell you if I was a member of Two and On. But look, I want, <laughs> I want, I want to root for the guy. I just, I, I think he's just not that great. Like, I, I want him to prove me wrong. I, I just, I don't, I don't know, guys. I, I, he's at quarterback twenty for me. Keep trade cut has him at quarterback nineteen. I think if any other quarterback like taken where he was taken with these weapons right now would be much higher than this. So I just don't have a lot of faith, but I can see myself overdrafting him in a startup and then hoping he succeeds. And I think that's honestly why my shares are non-existent. Yeah, I've got I've got uh, two a little bit higher than anybody else at the table here. Um, and I, I have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill ranked very highly in my rankings. I think this is going to be the prover- proverbial third-year breakout for Tua. Uh, I think we're going to look back and laugh at the time that we were mocking him. And I, I think that he, with all, all of the things that we've mentioned about him not getting the ball downfield, I think that the quality weapons that are going to be around him, I think he's going to be able to compensate for that. Uh, I think that he's a solid quarterback, too, in Dynasty, and um, I think I, I, I'm not quite ready to commit to two and on, though, so maybe maybe I should take a step back. Yeah, Trey is fully a member. He's quarterback 12 in Trey's rank, so uh, we're not going to get that perspective, but I mean, he's quarterback 20 for me as well, Mitch. I, I think like, and and I've especially over the last few months, kind of been out on Tua. Like, I I just have not liked what I've seen from the first two years. But his quarterback 20 ranking, a lot of that is just like, I'm pretty confident in the quarterbacks ahead of him. Um, Whereas Tua, it's like, I haven't seen it yet. I think there's a path because, you know, he's more and more removed from that hip injury. I've seen that he's been putting in uh, a lot of work this offseason to kind of like fix his throwing motion that was being affected by that hip injury. Um, so I, I see the path, especially with, you know, the improved weapons, the offensive minded coaching staff coming in, but I'm just not ready to move him up there yet. I, I feel like we're just kind of hedging because where he is in our ranks, he's behind, like you said, guys were more confident in like Derek Carr or Mac Jones. Tua is still ahead of guys like Jameis Winston, Ryan Tannehill, and Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, guys like that for me personally anyway. So I'm not saying kick him out the door, he sucks. I'm just saying I'm skeptical because what I'm afraid of is like what happens next year if he doesn't put it together this year. Right. He's done. He's done as a dolphin. And so and and what that means is he might be done as a starting NFL quarterback for at least a couple years. So 
I think with that on the table, I can't put them any higher because, like you said, maybe it's just a lack of confidence. Who knows? Uh, before we move on from the quarterback position, I just want to note that I think Teddy Cigarettes, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, worth a stash at quarterback 44. Um, you know, Tua, he's got that hip injury, right? He's been working on it, but I, I think he could very easily get hurt. Uh, and then you've you've got uh, a nice, you know, little quarterback two, quarterback three asset there in, in Teddy Cigarettes. Oh, steady Teddy Cigaretti. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on to the wide receivers. And uh, John referenced them. We've got two extremely valuable assets at the top in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Now, on keep trade cut, Waddle is rated pretty significantly ahead of Tyreek Hill at wide receiver six versus Tyreek at wide receiver 13. Now, Waddle is five years younger and just turned in a record-breaking rookie year in terms of receptions. Although you have to imagine that Tyreek soaks up a lot of targets, making $30 million per year. John, do you agree with market here? Uh, I Yes, somewhat. Uh, I have Jalen Waddle in that range, but I also have Tyreek Hill higher. I, I think I've got him at wide receiver eight. I think I think this offense legitimately can support two wide receiver ones this season. Uh, now I, that might be flip flop. Tyreek Hill might be higher this season than Jalen Waddle, uh, but I, I've seen enough from Tua and from Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill to know that yeah, this offense can do it. They could pull it off. Now, don't talk to me about any of the other wide receivers because I don't know who they are. I don't think they're getting the ball. I don't think they're relevant. Uh, but I think that Jalen <laughs> Waddle and Tyreek Hill are lining up to have a really nice season in PPR this year. Yeah, John, I I can see that. But again, we got to go back to uh, to the hedge here because I look Tyreek Hill left Patrick Mahomes, and whether we want to admit it or not, there's going to be some drop off. There is a difference between Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tagovailoa. Sure. So I'm right there with consensus with Tyreek Hill being at wide receiver 13, putting him at the top of the wide receiver two. But I think that the Waddle thing is where I start to disagree. Now, you can interchange these guys. I have them both. Like, I have Tyreek Hill at 13 and Waddle at 14. But what I don't think you can do is put one of these guys at six wide receiver six, where Jalen Waddles ranked or Tyreek Hill, because I don't think either one is going to be a wide receiver one with this quarterback. I think they're both going to be high-end quarterback twos, but, uh, well, since uh, Trey is not here again, I'm going to quote him, uh, you're not going to win your league with wide receiver twos, and I think that's what, what these two are going to be offering you at least this season. I mean, but, Mitch, if Jalen Waddle is a high-end wide receiver two and he's only 23 years old... Right. Like, doesn't that warrant him being ranked pretty highly? Sure. I, we we did talk about this, though, uh, already. The uh, the 142 targets last year, that, that, that has to be eaten into by Tyreek right. Hill. And like, I don't, I'm not going to legislate but, like how much, but both of these guys, Tyreek and Waddle, uh, are like used to being that number one 25% target share guy, right? So something's got to give here. And um, I I think, like like I said, I think they're going to cannibalize and both be twos. And that might be this year and next year. But yeah, Waddle's young. That's fair. But 
I don't know. I can't see three years in the future. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's an extremely concentrated offense, right? Between these two receivers and some for the Titans as well. The only other two receivers I want to mention here are uh, free agent signing Cedric Wilson uh, and Eric uh, Ezukanma, rookie fourth rounder out of Texas Tech. They're both extremely deep in the receiver ranks. I would really not like to roster them. Do y'all have a particular stance on either of them? I know John said you don't you, you don't want them. Yeah, okay. Mitch, what do you think? Cedric Wilson is going to have use in a 14-team league. Uh, he was annoying last year when uh his he was start well, like he was behind two number one wide receivers or at least that's what we were saying right with amari cooper and cd lamb and he was still getting looks over those guys and perhaps he continues doing that annoying stuff with jalen waddle and tyree kill um but no i i'm not really looking to hang on to him in a 12 team and uh with eric I'm looking to I actually have a few shares of him. Uh, he's a just taxi squad guy just because I think this room is pretty light after Tyreek and Waddle. So if I can just stash him, whatever. But like, I don't really know enough about this guy. I just know that the Dolphins drafted him and he's probably going to make the team. I think either one of these guys is most likely the the fifth receiving option behind the two guys at wide receiver. We mentioned uh, behind the one that Mike Kosicki, who we're going to talk about, and then probably running back as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Cedric Wilson, uh, he kind of smells like Kendrick Bourne to me as well. I think that's a pretty good comp uh, around that wide receiver 90 range who could return some value. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is a former San Francisco guy. So we got Mike McDaniel coming in. You know, I, I'm just connecting the dots there. Sure. Because uh, I kind of agree with what Mitch is saying here in a, in a deeper league. At running back, we got another crowded running back room here. But at the top of it seems to be Chase Edmonds, who is running back 37 on keep trade cut. And then we got three backs in Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, and Miles Gaskin, uh, who in my mind are kind of competing for the job behind Chase Edmonds. And then Salvan Ahmed is also there as depth. Edmonds was paid decent money coming from Arizona for a running back of his ilk. So in the $6 million per year range, we know he has a three down skill set. Mitch, this seems like a massive value here as I'm looking at it. Am I missing something? think you might be missing something and i'll walk you through my thought process here because before we did this segment i had him ranked i had chase edmonds at running back 32 and as i finalized my ranks for this episode i actually have him now up to running back 37 which is exactly where keep trade cut has him and it's because he's the leader of this backfield i guess like financially but if I think you might lose your job to Sony Michelle, I, I can't have you ranked any higher than 37. So he did well with James Conner in Arizona, Chase Edmonds did, and he's making the most money, so he should be the default running back one. But it seems like a really gross committee that I'm starting to fade away from, because when we start to bring up the other guys, like Sony Michelle, who's running back 58 in my ranks and keep trade cut, uh, has him at 70. He could easily take over that starting role, or at least that like early down work. And there's nothing sexy about Sony Michelle, but I think he's being 
undervalued at 70 to say the very least. And then rounding it out with Raheem Mostert, I mean, ugh, right? Like, he could be cool in best ball. There are worst pieces to round your roster out with. And he could foreseeably have a couple good games before I inevitably gets hurt or whatever he does. But, like, uh, yeah, I I don't know if there's if this is Chase Edmonds' backfield anymore. So that's that's where I'm hesitating. I don't know. I kind of I agree with that for the most part, but I kind of take a different angle on it because I think that they're going to use any able body on first and second down and Edmonds is likely the third down receiving back. And I think he's got decent value there. I think I've got him at wide receiver, sorry, running back 33. Uh, I think, you know, he could he could stand to play in the flex is, is, all, is what I think about him. But uh, I, I don't think there's any guy that's going to be the the guy in Miami. I think they proved that last year, and whoever's healthy is going to end up playing on first and second down. I think their best rusher, especially in that outside zone scheme, is Raheem Mostert. Um, but he's older, and he's always hurt. Um, and then I think their second best rusher in an outside zone scheme is Chase Edmonds. And not only that, Chase Edmonds really, really performed well in rushing yards over expectation last year. So I think he's a really underrated rusher and we know he's a good receiver. So I, I got him at running back 30. I think he's he's a little bit of a value there. Um, so I, I've I've been poking around. I got him in a few places. Um, so that that's my take. I, I think I'm going to take a little bit firmer of a stance there that I think Chase Edmonds is a nice value Do it. Fair enough. Right, uh, you don't want to talk about Miles Gaskin here? <laughs> I do. God. He's oh there. Oh, my God. At tight end, Mike Gusecki. Tight end 12 in keep trade cut ranks. Still leading the league in slot snaps at the position. Still running an incredible amount of routes and getting really great A dot. He's also separating at an elite level. But he's also got a lot of unrealized air yards he could only find the end zone twice, so that could regress. And he turned in only 9.7 fantasy points per game, which was tight end 14 last year. John, like I was saying, you know, I think a lot of the peripheral numbers are there for Mike Gesicki. And they franchise tagged him, so they seem to want to keep him long term. Where do you value the former Penn State titty lion? <laughs> well, the titty lion. Yeah, I've got him at tight end nine, which is... Uh... I guess I'm technically the high man here. I like Mike Gesicki. He had a good season. He returned good value. I think that his inevitably his target share is going down. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, though. Um, I think that he drew a lot of coverage last year because it was him and Jalen Waddle. I think Tyreek Hill being out there might open up the field down the middle for him a little bit more, and that might help him get a few more of those touchdowns that you were talking about. Uh, I think that uh, defenses are going to be able to key on him less. So uh, I still I think he's a great tight end. Uh, I think he's going to be a good value as a low tight end, a low end tight end one. Uh, and I expect uh, somewhere between a tight end six and nine finishes again this season. John, I couldn't agree with you more. I actually have him at tight end eight. I just haven't. I, I got to get on that, boys. I'll update those <laughs> tight end ranks for you as soon as I can. I know better than look at your rankings, Mitch. Uh, Mr. Big Chest, <laughs> you know, I I think that he keeps it up. And tight end eight, I think that he could be a future top six guys with uh, with some of these older guys getting up there in age. Mm. And the Dolphins, they franchised him this year. We'll see if he sticks around in Miami. But 
I mean, if he doesn't, some of those teams might be looking to to get him in there like next year. So stay tuned with Mike Jacecki. But yeah, I, I'm taking I'm taking that right. Okay, Hunter Long. Uh, he's currently fourth on the projected depth chart, according to ESPN, but he's easily the only other player in the tight end room with some vi- dynasty value. Uh, and I'm still stashing the 2021 third round pick in hopes that he takes uh, a step forward in the next year or two. But this is a taxi squad guy. Yeah, um, it's a good stash, though. Like, yeah, with yeah. no depth. I'm, I'm not going to hate it. Sure. Mike check. It's halftime, guys. Get excited. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. And uh, I've been thinking about Allen Robinson. I'll tell you why in a second here. Uh, but let me tell you a little story about Allen Robinson. One year ago, I looked it up. One year ago, uh, I personally had Allen Robinson ranked as my wide receiver 12. And uh, judging by the market at that time, he was pretty consensus fringe wide receiver one. So somewhere between wide receiver 12 and 15. Today, Value has dropped a lot. He's down to uh, below wide receiver three in many places. So I've seen as high as wide receiver 36, as low as wide receiver 40. So here's the question, guys. Get, get your uh, little hat, your wizard hat, and get your, get your ball. I want you to look into the future. Uh, and I want you to answer this question. Who is a wide receiver who is currently in the top 20 today that a year from now you wouldn't be surprised if the bottom dropped out. And we're talking about this guy is no longer a wide, even a wide receiver three. Who's the guy in the top 20 for you, Tarek? Man, this I struggled with this question because it's like, who would I be surprised if the bottom dropped out? Because I was originally going to go against my guy and say C.D. Lamb. Oh, wow. But I would be surprised if that happened. Who I wouldn't be surprised is Traylon Burks. He is currently ranked as wide receiver 18 in keep trade cut ranks. I would not be surprised if Traylon Burks fell like outside of the top 40 after his rookie year. You know, there's there's a good amount of people, especially on the film side of things, who think Traylon Burks is not a refined enough receiver to succeed at the next level. Um, so if he comes in and those concerns start to ring true, especially because they're going to have to rely on him in that passing offense, um, and he comes in, he doesn't draw a good target share, you know, he doesn't produce, he's not able to get open. He, he kind of has like a Nikhil Harry type rookie year, then I could see that happening. So I'll go with Traylon Burks. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm not projecting it. Yeah, that, that's important to note. This is not a take. This is just if it happened, you wouldn't be surprised. And it's an interesting choice because you saw the market start to sour on A.J. Brown for basically the exact same reasons you're talking about. The production just wasn't there. And then he got traded and now everybody loves A.J. Brown again. So we'll see what happens. Mitch, who's your guy in the top 20? All right, I'm going to pretend Tarek didn't say any of that. And I, I would never wish that kind of... <laughs> That kind of stuff on our guy Traylon Burks here. But (laughs) I started thinking about the question and instinct. I started thinking Cooper Cup might be my answer Mm -hmm. because I I think if he gets hurt, then that that would just nuke him in the rankings, especially if it were an ACL. But I was like, you know, I don't want to play the injury game. So I won't do that with him or Devontae Adams. Uh, The guy that I think is the guy that has already been injured, and that is Chris Godwin. So Mm. Chris Godwin is currently sitting right there at wide receiver 17, 
And some of us are expecting him to start sooner, and some of us are expecting him to ease into this injury. But I think there's a good chance that he doesn't perform up to some people's expectations, especially if he doesn't hit the ground running like he's eased into the into the game, only playing like 30 percent, 40 percent of the snap count, not putting up that usual production. And uh, yeah, I mean, say he doesn't make a big splash at the end of the year. And I think that's kind of what happened with our uh, guy of conversation here, Alan Robinson. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he just didn't make that big splash after the injury. So I could see a guy even as good as Chris Godwin falling out of the top 20 if he doesn't come back strong this year. Yeah, the shine from being the overall wide receiver one is definitely wearing thin for Chris Godwin. So, yeah, I could see scenarios where that happens. Uh, the guy I've chosen is Devontae Adams. And this one this one really hurts me because uh, not because I don't think he's a great wide receiver. I do uh, just because it's a new system. He's with Derek Carr. Uh, and, uh, it's everything that you, you, all the cliches you can think of It's it's the Raiders, they can ruin people. Uh, and he's 29 years old. So it's, if he has got one bad season, we saw it happen to Deandre Hopkins this year. Uh, he didn't perform the expectations and now he's been nuked. So, you know, it could happen. I hope it doesn't. I love Devonte Adams. Now I just want to say what, why, if anybody's listening, why the hell are we talking about Allen Robinson? And it's because, of a tweet that uh, Tarek brought to my to my attention from Matthew Friedman, who turns out is the director of content at Fantasy Pros. Sounds very, very important. He wrote, for years, Allen Robinson has been a volume-hyped receiver. And then in 2021, the bottom fell out. 410 yards, one touchdown, 66 targets in 12 games. And now people are ranking him as, high, as a high-end wide receiver three? Find someone who loves you as much as the average fantasy expert loves A-Rob. And I can just imagine him clicking the send button on that, like, oh, the, man. The single I... tear dripping from his eye. Dunk. Oh, the humanity. A high-end <laughs> wide receiver three. Should, should I mention the, the follow-up there? Yeah, do it. <laughs> the, the one that made us all giggle? From yeah. uh, from MR, who's at M-R-A-M-I-R-70. I guess it's M Mr. Amir 70 Yes, how could the number two pass catching option in a Matthew Stafford McVay offense reach the rarefied air of wide receiver three? <laughs> That's beautiful. That was a great. That was a great tweet. I mean, shout out, shout out to Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Uh, you know, we appreciate your work. Your work that was uh, not a good tweet, my friend. But <laughs> le let's kick off this second half. We're gonna do the Jets and the Bills, starting in New Jersey at quarterback. Looking at Zach Wilson's rookie numbers, it's hard to find things you like, but I'll list a few. He was decent throwing deep. He ran it a lot in the red zone, right, and racked up a good amount of touchdowns. He also apparently, according to Player Profiler, did well against man coverage, which is a promising stat. Outside of that, you know, everything, completion percentage, yards per attempt, QBR, interceptions, danger plays, all that all well below league average for starting quarterbacks. I, you know, watching Zach Wilson last year, I watched him really closely because I was high on him as a prospect. I think he tended to play better in the second half of games, and he played better in those last five games or so. But, you know, despite a really piss-poor rookie year, we've seen Zach Wilson's dynasty value actually grow by about five spots since the mm -hmm. end of the season up to quarterback 15. Mitch, what do you think of the baby jet? 
was a little goo goo gaga baby jet. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was going to be higher than market at quarterback 16, and the market's still higher than me. So fuck the market. But uh, I like him because he's not afraid to wing it. He's speedy, but he looks for the bomb. Like, I don't know. Let's just change his first name to Russell and call it a day. I, I think uh, the rushing started to pick up towards the end of the year last season. And knowing that he's at least capable of adding that to his fantasy resume is enticing to me. So he's a baby. He has to learn how to walk before he runs. He's he's turning two. So I think that I, I he's exciting to root for. He's just a ballsy quarterback. And they have surrounded him with a bunch of dudes that we're about to talk about. And here's the thing. If he falls flat on his face this year, then at least you know he sucks and you can move on because I I don't think he has any excuses not to rise this year. So let's see it. I'm looking forward to the Wilson to Wilson touchdown storylines. That's what I'm very excited about. Okay, let's talk about the receivers then because, you know, Mitch referenced it. I think this is the reason he moved up five spots. It's because they drafted Garrett Wilson at 10th overall. So in this receiver room, you got Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore as the young studs. Corey Davis is the paid veteran. And Braxton Berrios had some shine at times last year. They also gave him a nice little payday. So let's start with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Wilson is wide receiver 19 on keep trade cut more down at wide receiver fucking 26. Oh my God. Ding, ding, ding more absolutely balled out on reception perception, but missed a bunch of time. He had a stretch of games in the middle of the season where it looked like he was truly breaking out. Then he got injured. And then, you know, Garrett Wilson comes along 10th overall pick. We all loved him coming out of college. John, we talked about Wilson versus more recently, but I want to revisit it and I want to talk specifically about their value on keep trade cut and what you are seeing. Yeah, I I, I like it. And I know y'all don't like it. Uh, I have Garrett Wilson ahead of Elijah Moore in my rankings. It's not by much. It's by like six. But I legitimately think that the market has this one right because I project Garrett Wilson to ultimately be the wide receiver one for that team and Elijah Moore to be the wide receiver two. Now, can this offense support two wide receiver ones? I don't know. That's yet to be determined. And that's an interesting conversation to have maybe a year from now. But I think ultimately the higher the guy with the higher value should be Garrett Wilson, in my opinion, just because they, they took him at number 10, 10th uh, overall first round. And um, he he doesn't he can play at all three levels. And I'm not sure that Elijah Moore is going to be the, the kind of field stretcher that Garrett Wilson is. Yeah. But it's like splitting hairs, right? I mean, they should be ranked pretty closely right now. Uh, it's it's a lot like the Debo and IU conversation we had last summer. It's like there was a widespread there, and I didn't like it. I like that these two guys are pretty closely ranked together. I think that's right now. The one you prefer, that's up to you. But I think they should be ranked pretty closely. I agree. I That wide receiver 26 shit is embarrassing for Elijah Moore. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I mean, I, John's got him at wide receiver 25, so he agrees, essentially, with the market. Let's reemphasize that. But yes. Yeah, man, like, Look, Mitch, go ahead. Garrett Wilson is a stud. Like, I it wouldn't completely surprise me to see him just walk in and just take over that wide receiver role right off the bat. But I I think it's too close to call. And by the, the market being that far apart, that's not representing what we're trying to say here. So 
Um, if, if you can get a, if you can get that discount on Elijah Moore, and I feel like you can't in most of your leagues because the guy who has him is probably pretty high on him already, by all means, try and go for it. But uh, it wouldn't be a Jets wide receiver conversation if we didn't bring up Corey Davis. So obviously, he's my favorite player, my favorite wide receiver. But I gotta ask you, I gotta ask you guys, would it completely surprise you if Corey Davis led the Jets in receiving this year? First half of the season, no. The entire season, yes. Like I think that Corey Davis knows the playbook, and I think he's going to be the guy at the beginning of the year. But I think Garrett Wilson, by the end of this, if he's doing it right, I think Garrett Wilson takes his job by the end of this year. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm expecting to happen. I feel like keep trade cut has him out left for dead at wide receiver 79. Um, I I think that's a value buy because I agree with what you're saying, John. And I, I know the he's a former Titan and I, and I liked what he could do. But uh, he showed, just as you said, in the first half of last season, a real connection with Zach Wilson. And I do expect him to at least hit the ground running as that front like lead wide receiver. But this room to me is going to be... Like, if I look at this from a redraft perspective, I think you'd take your pick of any of the three guys. But yeah, obviously, I'm with market on Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson being the top two to own. You know, I think Corey Davis at wide receiver 79 is a completely fine value. Like, it's like, I think that's a value. I agree with you, Mitch. So I'm fine with you buying there. I, I have to close out the receiver section with this. Elijah Moore beat NFL press coverage at a 70th percentile clip, according to Matt Harmon, as a 21-year-old 5'9 rookie playing X receiver in his first 11 games as a professional. He is a fucking baller. And yeah, that's sick. I, I'm like, look, I I see where I think I'm probably too low on Garrett Wilson in my overall ranks. John, I have him at wide receiver 23. I can see the argument. But I think Elijah Moore, with what he showed as an NFL rookie, wide receiver 26 is just an absolute smash. And I cannot wait for him to return value on that because it's like T. Higgins last year. Like, dude is just too good. Um, so, look, I respect where you're coming from. Um, and I respect that Garrett Wilson is a baller drafted 10th overall. But Elijah Moore is a baller in his own right. Go by Elijah Moore. It, Moving on to the running. Yeah, John. I'm sorry. I just. And I probably you can cut this out, but I, the question that is in my head is: Is he T. Higgins or is he Brandon Ayuk? That's what I'm going to be watching he is for. Five nine. Yeah, he, he's. But he, I mean, in terms he is of not. <laughs> but in, in terms of that, after that first season, like right, right, the reception perception numbers exactly. I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon Ayuk's another conversation. I promise we will talk about him when we get to <laughs> the NFC. Uh, Brees Hall, running backs, drafted in the early second round. He was drafted at 101 and 95.5% of your rookie drafts, according to Adeko. He's running back five on keep trade cut. We know the story with Brees Hall. Elite athleticism, elite college profile, great draft capital, 21 years old. But Mitch, let me just ask you straight up. Is running back five too aggressive? Nope. No, it's not. Not for a do-it-all type of running back that can catch it like Brees can that has that just top end. He's the the easiest smash 101 pick in a, in your rookie draft. So running back five, I have him at running back six. Uh, 
Yeah. Now, as we mentioned before, Zach Wilson, this is another thing that just helps him out is a running back like Brees to take a lot of pressure off Zach Wilson. So I'm just more excited about that. Um, yeah, we've we've run the Brees Hall conversation through. Do we? Yeah, do we for want, sure. <laughs> do we want to keep going? I think the the Michael Carter thing is mm-hmm. is more problematic yeah. to me, and I, that's the more worthy conversation sure. because this was the worst case scenario for him, not named Kenneth Walker, right? Like Carter is definitely going to take a back seat, and I, I don't expect him to fall off a cliff. He's used to playing that like one-two role, like he did in college with Javante mm-hmm. Williams. But the problem for me, from for me here, is that Carter was a fine running back too last year when he had like seventy percent of the snap share, or like decent when he had fifty percent of the snap share. But he absolutely disappeared when he had anything less than that. And mm-hmm. I'd have to assume that Brees is going to take like at least sixty percent, unless you guys think it might work out differently. Yeah, John. So the the dust has settled after the Brees Hall situation and Michael Carter is running back 40 now on keep trade cut. So what do you think about that value? Well, I I obviously nuked him because you have to, uh, but not that far. I've got him at running back 32. But I think Mitch, the number that Mitch picked there is the number that I'm projecting. So I'm thinking it's a 60-40 split. And I think Michael Carter can still return value with 40%. Of the snaps. Uh, now, do I think that I want him as my running back too, as I have him on one of my teams? No, I really don't want that. But I do think he can be a serviceable uh, flex play. But that's I say that with a bit of chagrin because now I'm wondering. It's like, okay, but how do I know which weeks I should start him? So it's tough, and maybe the nuking is justified. It's going to be something to modern monitor. Um, I do think Brees Hall is going to be the number one guy, obviously, in that offense. The question is, how much can Michael Carter uh, essentially steal from Brees Hall? Because I think it is Brees Hall's job at this point. Uh, I do th- I do have a lot of faith in him. I love Michael Carter. I think he's good. And just like Mitch said, he's been the running back two before to Javante Williams, and he was able to produce those situations. So well, let's monitor it, and let's, let's talk about it in three months. What do you say? Sounds good. Uh... Tarek, do you think that Carter can get you more than 10 points a game? No. With 40%? If we're projecting him to get 40% of the snaps and touches, okay. I do not project that. Like, I, I don't think that's okay, going to happen. Because I feel like if he had 40%, you could, you could say 10 points per game in PPR would be reasonable with the occasional touchdown, right? I think that would put him in potential flex territory sure sure. but that would mean he'd have to get 40 percent and that's a big if so and uh, yeah i like if i were to project and i'm not going to but if i were and what's coloring my perception a little bit is i think Brees hall probably more like a 70 percent guy and we're probably underrating how annoying tevin coleman and ty johnson are going to be i'm I'm telling you that right now we're we're underrating how annoying they're going to be yeah yeah at tight end CJ Uzama signed the big contract. They also brought in Tyler Conklin. Uzama on keep trade cut, he's actually a spot behind Jonu Smith, who we talked about earlier at tight end 34. John, criminal. any thoughts? That's criminal. Uzama was great last year, and I think he's he was be- He was fine. He, he was, was great. Fine. Let me refine that. Gold. He was great for Joe Burrow, and I think he's going to be great for Zach Wilson. He so. was great because of Joe Burrow. 
<laughs> that's what I'll say. I, but, I think uh, I, he's a guy I like having as a tight end two for my team. How's that? Okay. Okay. Tight end okay. three I'm down with. Yeah, and you can easily get Uzama as your tight end three. So, all right, let's move on to the Buffalo Bills, the final team of the AFC East preview. Yes, Uh, at quarterback. I don't even I mean, Josh Allen is QB one like he's great. John, is there is there reason to debate that? And obviously, there probably really isn't. I mean, you could make the Patrick Mahomes argument. Let me just ask you this. Sure. What would you pay to acquire Josh Allen in a Superflex league? Or on the inverse, would you sell Josh Allen if the price was big enough? Yeah, I'm assuming that he's unattainable if he's not on my squad. Like that I would pay three firsts for him. I think that would be like the bare minimum. I would not accept three firsts for him. I would be expecting uh, a low-end QB1, like if you want to throw at me Matthew Stafford in three first, then I'm thinking about it. But otherwise, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would take Matt Stafford in three first. Yeah, but. I think that's the fun part is finding those trades where you're like, I would yeah. do this. Yeah. And then you'd be like, but I'd never fucking pay it. Like, <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. That's just the yeah. way it is with Josh Allen, man. Like, I, I guess if you like through Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson and a like Kyler Murray at me or something, I'd be like, oh, yes, you, you would do yeah, that. I yeah, I think I'm going to do that. But like, again, that <laughs> shit is not going to happen. So if you yeah. got the first overall pick, can fucking congratulations, man. You have a Josh Allen. I I mean, we're not talking Chargers today. Like I paid Trevor Lawrence and two 2023 firsts for... Uh, Justin Herbert. Yeah, sounds right. Uh, and uh, I, I got a third back, right? So, like, it's possible, I guess. To get Josh Allen, go ahead and add another first, right. I think is essentially what. Because I, trust me, I asked the Josh Allen manager and they were like, ha, no. Um, <laughs> all right, wide receiver. This is a fun conversation. A lot of Stefan Diggs' efficiency numbers from last year regressed. But the volume numbers were like exactly the same. And he had even more air yards in 2021 than in 2020. So we got Stefan Diggs. Gabriel Davis starts putting up numbers when he replaces Emmanuel Sanders in the starting lineup. And he has that massive playoff game against the Chiefs. But his production through two years has significant gaps. They sign Jamison Crowder to play the slot. They re-sign Isaiah McKenzie to play like the bit role. And they also drafted Khalil Shakir in the fifth round, who we've talked about. He's got a really enticing college profile and skill set. And I think Mitch especially liked Khalil Shakir's tape. So, Mitch, I'm going to throw it to you to unpack this wide receiver room for us. I would love to do just that. Stefan Diggs, my wide receiver eight. Keep trade cuts. Got him at 10. And uh, he just went market. He went 10th wide receiver overall to me and to Trey at uh, the 12th pick in the third round. In my opinion, that's stealing. Uh, he's that's the number one wide receiver in the offense with the reigning number one quarterback two years running in fantasy. And like you mentioned, Tarek, he's number two in air yards last year. 34 porn, 34 porn, 34.3 air yard share. Uh, number five in targets, number two in red zone targets, number seven in deep targets. Like, you should be thirsty right now. And it's uh, all there. He, yeah. He could be the number three wide receiver for the next two years, and I wouldn't even like bat an eyelash. So, 
for me, this room is Stefan Diggs and everybody else similar to the way the Chiefs did it last year and the year before with Tyreek Hill and everybody else. Because Gabe Davis, to me, uh, wide receiver, 39, keep trade cut, former, like, one of my, almost my guys, I have him at wide receiver 48. So I think I hate him now. I'm on the hate side of this one. And uh, his advanced stats aren't exactly pretty. Uh, so when you look side by side with Stefan Diggs, don't do that. Uh, and perhaps he just takes a leap on somebody else's roster. So uh, I look at this wide receiver core like that, that whack-a-mole thing. So whichever wide receiver is going to get that 10% hit, uh, I don't know which guy it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Gabe Davis, Crowder, Isaiah McKenzie, because who's to say Gabe's that too now? I, I thought that was going to happen last year. I was fooled by that big playoff game last year. And here we are a full year later. We're doing it again. And hmm. I can't do it. I'm out. Uh, Mitch, I agree with almost everything you said there. But it's like I watched you're the in. end of that. <laughs> I watch, well, no, I'm, I'm, I've got a toe, right? Because like I watched the end of the season. I'm like, God damn. Gabe Davis. So I've got him, I think out of like eight teams, I think I have one or two shares because if it happens, I want to benefit from that. There you go. I don't necessarily think it's going to, but if it does happen in a big way, I want to have a little piece of that. So I I don't disagree with anything you said, but it's definitely within the realm of possibility that Gabe Davis takes a big, big step this year. And going to be on my team, man. I I actually have Gabe Davis right where you have him, Mitch, uh, but I also agree with John here. Like you want a little bit of Gabe Davis in your portfolio because I, I think he he's got a clear path mm-hmm. to return value on wide receiver 39. That doesn't mean we should necessarily for sure expect it. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to go read Jacob Sanderson's work, uh, his recent piece. I believe it's on uh, player profiler on kind of the case for Gabe Davis. And Jacob Sanderson is extremely measured analyst like he's not somebody who's gonna just give you like the Gabe Davis got that dog in him take right like (laughs) he's gonna give you a a good range of outcomes take so go check out uh Jacob Sanderson uh he did some good work on Gabe Davis recently all right let's move on to the running back room this is another really great debate interesting conversation James Cook uh the second round pick out of Georgia comes in on keep trade cut at running back 26 And then Devin Singletary is running back 43. So Singletary, as we all know, absolutely exploded at the end of the year as the primary running back after Zach Moss and Matt Breida kind of had their failed turns. He was a top 15 running back in each of the last five weeks um, of the regular season. And then he continued to play very well in the playoffs. So to me... I don't think the gap should be that wide between James Cook and Devin Singletary. John, your ranks indicate that they should. So talk to us about that. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's two two things there, because I was always higher on James Cook to begin with. And when he ended up with the Bills, that that seemed like perfect, perfect landing spot for his skill set there. But also uh, Singletary looked great. And then they drafted James Cook. So what is that? What is that to communicate to me? Like if they had faith in Singletary being able to do that going forward, 
They don't need a James Cook. So, and here comes Mitch. <laughs> no, uh, and uh, me. I, uh, I I disagree with you, but <laughs> and, no, I I think Singletary is great, and I think we can all agree that Zach, Zach Moss is dead. So it's really <laughs> it's really between Singletary and James Cook, and I just think James Cook's the better prospect, and I think he's going to earn his spot, and he's going to be the guy that we're talking about. So. I don't hate Singletary. I liked what he, I like watching him play, but I don't think he's better than James Cook. Old old Zach, healthy scratch moss. I mean, let, <laughs> listen, man, when somebody's scratching, it's not healthy. It's it's because something's wrong. So yeah, Mitch, Mitch, you <laughs> man, you were you were on the Zach Moss is ass train for for a long time. So you know, I want to highlight that. I want you to take a little mini victory lap there. Zach Ooh, Moss jog around the room. You universally ass. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's pretty bad, but uh, let's focus on the two we should talk about. And John, where do you, for the listeners, have Singletary ranked? I think I have him right around 50, running back 50. Yeah, 5 Jesus yeah. fuck, man. Anyway, I, I have Singletary at running back 26, <laughs> and I have James Cook at running back 27, because that's kind of where I think these two should be. Like, mm. Tarek already highlighted the end of year for Singletary. And uh, let's not forget that he was also number six in routes run, and he had 40 receptions last year. So he's got that in his bag, too. And so, John, you asked the question, why would they go out and get a James Cook, too? And honestly, it's because Zach Moss is ass, dude, because I think nobody lives in this one running back world. And I think both of these guys are going to be viable running back twos in a high-powered offense and if the discount is really that much for Singletary then I guess that's going to be where my shares are but I agree John I like I like Zach Moss I mean Zach I agree as John I like James Cook the only way I could see that's true is if they fundamentally change Josh Allen's role in that offense like if he's not diving head first for touchdowns anymore then yeah i totally agree with you i mean, i just think he's too much of a head case like there's no way they're going to get that out of his game i just don't think there's two running backs that are going to be fantasy relevant in you don't this think offense. they can have two running back two high end i don't because i think josh allen's is going to be constantly diving for the end zone i think that's just part of his game. here's here's what's going to happen uh James Cook is going to be a receiving back who gets a couple carries a game, and he's probably going to be pretty efficient on his touches. But Devin Singletary is their early down runner, and we know that Josh Allen, at least to this point, doesn't really throw to the running back that much, right? So that I have James Cook at running back 32 and Devin Singletary at running back 27. You know, I can hear... Chris Harris in my ear from a year ago when I was touting Zach Moss over Devin Singletary, even though I thought Devin Singletary was more talented. Like I was just like, man, it just really seems like they want to get Zach Moss to be the guy. Uh, So I went with Zach Moss and I'm kicking myself for it because I knew Devin Singletary was a better player. Anyway, Devin Singletary is going to get the bulk of early down work which is going to be where the volume is in that offense. So getting him at running back, what what did I say? Keep trade cut 39, 43, whatever it is. 43. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. It's like stealing. Give, give me all the Devin Singletary. And I, and I think like we've said multiple times throughout this off season, the people who have Devin Singletary on their roster, they know this, but if they don't, 
Go fucking get Devin Singletary at cost. I remember saying this, and I'll I'll repeat it here. I'll I'll victory lap this instead. How about that? Because when the Bills flirted with uh, signing J.D. McKissick, and everybody panicked on Devin Singletary, and this is before they drafted James Cook, I remember going, hmm, I smell a buy opportunity here yep. because people were wanting to get out before they inevitably replace him. And James Cook is not the the replacement for Singletary. He's just a compliment to that already really good offense. Yeah. And and let me be clear, John, I do think that the Bills offense has plans for James Cook. I think they're going to change the way that they operate a little bit so that they can involve their second round pick. So, I'm not completely relying on the narrative that Josh Allen doesn't throw to the running backs, therefore James Cook is a bad value or whatever. I still have him as a top 33 32 running back so i like james cook it's just when i'm looking at these market rates it doesn't line up to me well we're gonna watch it and we'll see who's right okay okay all right uh let's close out this episode with the tight end room in uh buffalo there's really only one guy i think we need to talk about uh in earnest here Uh, yeah there's a couple guys we could maybe mention but dawson knox let's spend some time on him Dawson Knox somehow turned a 13% target share into a tight end nine season in terms of points per game. And, you know, that was because of nine touchdowns, but also 19 red zone targets. So the touchdowns aren't as fluky as they may seem. But Mitch, you know, Dawson Knox was one of your kind of flag plants last offseason, obviously returned value on that. But many, I, I've seen many say that Knox is kind of a prime regression candidate that you should get out of now. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? I'm sympathetic to that. Yeah, because he's kind of scratched the surface of what he can do, right? So I don't feel like the ceiling is a whole lot higher for him because that's just not his game. He's going to get a lot of touchdown looks, but that doesn't mean he's going to get a lot of touchdowns. And he's he's going to get some big chunk plays here and there, but he's not like a centerpiece of the offense. So uh, he he definitely took a huge step. And I think that he's going to be a consistently good top 12 tight end. But he's not a guy that I think has it in him to take that step into the top six. Uh, I just I don't think that's in his wheelhouse. So uh, he's he's still a like. I want shares of him. I think that his value is right just because of the huge drop off at tight end. So I'm not trying to say back off of getting him. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't sell just because I think that uh, he can't improve any further. Like I'm, I'm still going to want the top 10 tight end value if I'm going to be selling him in his first year, 13.9 yards per reception. In his second year, 12 yards per reception. In his third year, 12 yards per reception. So I think Dawson Knox is an efficient player, you know? And he, like you said, like he's going to be put in position to score touchdowns. So I agree with you here. Like I think while, yeah, obviously he's a regression candidate on nine touchdowns. At the same time, because of the offense he's in and because of the role he plays and the types of routes he gets targeted on, He's as good of a bet as anybody outside of that top six to mm-hmm. eight tight ends. So I don't I mean, I don't hate the the yeah. tight end nine, tight end right. ten. Just hang value. on to him. But he he had we should note he had less targets than any 
tight end in the top and I'm counting here. Yeah. Top 20. So, you know, it's like, uh, well, top 19, but he, he, he was very efficient and that's why he was successful. Josh Allen's probably going to score like fucking a hundred passing touchdowns though. So like he's got to get a couple, right? He's look, I, yeah. And I can, I can see Trey listening to this episode, grinding his teeth and and saying, and saying, thank you, John. Thank you for pointing out the lack of (laughs) targets. But what the picture I'm painting is he is an efficient player. He's going to continue to be an efficient player in this offense. And if you're going to take a stab on a tight end outside of the top six to eight that I don't think you have to overpay for right now. Right. I, I think he's as good of a stab as any of them. That's that's all I'm saying. Um, so I think while there's going to be a lot of people that are like, get out of Dawson Knox, get out. Like, I don't think your sell opportunity is as good as they maybe are making it seem that. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. I, okay. So uh, kind of like last episode, I'm going to throw in some random ass tight end love here. I've always been out on OJ Howard, first of all. Like, I, but now I think is the price is right and that is free because there is a world where Knox could go down and OJ Howard could fall face first into a shitload of volume. And yeah. he's a pass catching tight end. Like, I'm not saying he's good. I'm certainly not saying that, but there are worse stashes than O.J. Howard right now. He's interesting, but, uh, you know, if you got the space. Yeah, O.J. Howard, you know, uh, opposite to Mitch, I have always been in on O.J. <laughs> Howard, um, so I love to hear it. Um, and I and I can see the path to him returning value on his price, which, as Mitch said, is free. All right, uh, Jalen Weidermeyer side there Ooh. as an undrafted free agent uh, keep undrafting new... him <laughs> i mean he's he's the new brevin jordan guy so so watch out the mr i don't athletic. think he's that athletic man <laughs> <laughs> all right that is going to do it for episode 57 of tlg we'll see you next time gobble gobble bye-bye no i ain't